live more, laugh more, eat more, talk more, Gilmore. Get ready to OD on fleeting 17th century literary references. This week, we're watching Gilmore Girls on The Showdown. everybody welcome again to the pod and as always the showdown is recorded in front of a live dog and cat audience yeah. my name is cliff and this is the podcast where i a television idiot dissect one epic tv series with a television expert so colin how are things in tv land today today they are over caffeinated and under edited i bet they are i bet they are so uh, it, it, we can go ahead and, and, and talk about the topic of, of the show because it's it's going to dominate everything that happens both today and perhaps for the rest of our lives so we just have so much to say about it and we want to keep this relatively short. <laughs> we, we, do, we do have an awful lot to say. So, of course, uh, t- today's show that we're, we're taking apart is Gilmore Girls. You know, and we'll go through the show overview. I, I, I do want to say right, right at the top of the show, I feel like I should add a disclaimer of I realize that this show is near and dear to the hearts of a lot of Beloved. people. Beloved. Beloved yeah. means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it later. I, I had not seen one <laughs> second of this show until we, we decided to, uh, to, when, to when he agreed to it. Yeah, yeah. Seen, you know. So, so any viewpoint that I expressed during today's show is not through the lens of someone who has any attachment to the show. Just let me let me start there, and perhaps you'll understand what I mean as we as we get into it. So, uh, so let's go through a quick show show overview here. Talk a little bit about some of the trivia and, and uh, ins and outs of the show itself. So, the air dates for for Gilmore Girls was was uh, two thousand to two thousand seven. Truly, a show that kind of started off. The 2000s into the new millennium, and and uh, was representative of, of that for sure. The networks it aired on were uh, the WB for the first six seasons, the CW for the seventh season, and of course the the kind of series reboot that happened on Netflix here last year. It's, it's classified as a one hour dramedy, which I also will will take some some umbrage with. You can't uh, see my eyes rolling, but they are. Okay, yeah. So it, it's it's the classification. It's a pretty typical network single camera. Drama in and there what perhaps is some comedy thrown in there. Sure, yeah. Um, it ran for seven seasons on the WB slash CW for 154 episodes, and then this most recent iteration on Netflix was uh, four episodes that were each about an hour and a half, so mm-hmm. about six total hours there. Mm-hmm. Just six unending hours. Yeah, <laughs> they claim it's six. Well, I'll yeah, have to I mean them. that's that's roughly rough estimate. <laughs> so uh, the cast is Lauren Graham, Alexis Bledel, Kiko Agena, Scott Patterson, Yannick Truesdale, Kelly Bishop, Edward Hernan, R.I.P., and oh. the. Always wonderful, Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the shining light of the shows uh, in in many ways. So yeah. the, the description for the Gilmore Girls and how could you really describe something so so amazing? I, but I'll I'll kind of run down what the what seemed to be the best description I found. Uh, set in a storybook Connecticut town populated by an eclectic mix of dreamers, artists, and everyday folk. That's not true. This multi generational drama about family uh, and friendship centers around Lorelai Gilmore and her daughter Rory. Uh, Lorelai owns the town's bed and breakfast. The Dragonfly Inn uh, with her best friend slash chef Sookie and contends with weekly diners, the eccentric, well-off parents Richard and Emily Gilmore, who always have something to say about their daughter's life. After high school, Rory attends Yale University, but frequently returns to Stars Hollow to visit her mom. And if you think that uh, is a description full of a lot of words, then you perhaps haven't seen the show because it, that is probably light for the description, given the, the context of the show. I'm sure um, they would describe themselves in a much smarter, more more esoteric way. It's it would be it would be brutal. Which I talk about the ratings references. Yeah, I would absolutely love to. So IMDB gives it an eight point one, and TV.com gives it a nine. So it's pretty highly rated. I, I think people generally 
like the show, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we can, we can talk about that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think you ask people who say they like the show, they don't just like it, they love it. And we can talk about that some more too. Uh, as far as awards go, <laughs> they, they have gotten zero Golden Globes. What? <laughs> okay. Come on. But only one Emmy. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, for hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I don't was know. Fun. Uh, zero SAG awards, but they have gotten four TCA awards, the Television Critics Association. No, nope. nope. I'll, I'll go ahead and put that up for you. That is actually the Teen Choice Awards. <laughs> that was the most prestigious award that I could find. Uh, and they won for Best Parental Unit, I believe, is one of the awards oh, that boy. was thrown in there. <laughs> oh, but I, I, I love your default to the some sort of critics like, what's award. What's the TCA? A television expert. What would I define the TCA? It's, it's, television it's fair enough. I, I, I did yeah. lay a bit of a trap for you, but yes, just, just so we know, there yet uh, that award was handed out, I believe, by uh, Snoop Dogg. They they won, <laughs> they won two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So uh, notable filming locations. I so a WB show filmed, of course, in Warner Brothers Studios for the most part in Burbank stages 12, 14, and eighteen. I feel like we probably have strolled through some of the sets uh, knowingly on our last trip through the through the studio out there in in Los Angeles. I do not uh, remember <laughs> anything about. Yeah. I feel like you could you could pinpoint all of the the outdoor shots of Stars Hollow on the Warner Brother lot if you needed to. We did. I felt like we identified quite a few spots that are used for 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 multi locations. Um, yeah. But essentially, a, a single camera show, but filmed in a pretty enclosed area with with sets. Not a lot of off campus type of activity sure. it, it felt like uh, the top rated episode which we have on the background right now is called raincoats and recipes rated a 9.3 it is from uh, season four it's the season finale yep. of that season uh, we watched this episode mm-hmm. here pretty recently i could not tell you for the life of me what it's about i think oh, I somebody makes you. out with somebody else and there's a bunch of talk fighting and yeah so what happens this is the episode where uh lorelei and suki are doing their test run for the opening of the dragonfly inn mm-hmm. and uh, Luke and Laura like kiss for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's a very big deal. And also, Rory loses her virginity to Dean, the married man. Mm-hmm. No, nope. Dean, Dean. nope. <laughs> married. Okay. <laughs> Just. I will reiterate my statement. <laughs> Team Dean. Okay. In that All right. Um, so as my married husband, I'll just keep a note of that. Yeah, so we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. But <laughs> not going to change my mind. Team okay. Dean. So uh, for, for some familiarity context, you know, the like I said before, I, I had not seen any of this show. Colin, you've seen all of the episodes. Yeah, I saw. I, I sat down and watched all of it. I think it was probably after we got married. And I, I will, you know, maybe we'll get into this in the episode a little bit, but I feel like the first watch made me feel one way about the show and then rewatching several episodes with you for this podcast just brought up all the things I kind of disliked about mm-hmm. the show before. Right. So, you know, I I, I, uh, I I had not seen any of the show until we decided to watch it. There are method for for this particular show. Some shows we can watch a little more of than others. Most shows we've already seen most of the episodes. This one I had not seen. And so we watched all of what's this, the, the series premiere, all of the season finales and some of the first and last episode of the Netflix run, which it, at that point, to be perfectly honest, was a bit uh, a bit of a chore. I started to uh, lose my patience with not using the fast forward button. So, uh, so I, I have some familiarity with the show. It's relatively new. I obviously have a very clear perspective on it, as does, uh, as does Colin here. But for those of you that don't, let's take a quick stroll through memory lane on a segment we like to call uh, Theme Song Jukebox. Um, 
Oh boy, that, that's some PTSD happening. Yeah, right that, that got a lot more repetitive than <laughs> yeah. I had so, so that's the theme song. A, a, a catchy, wholesome theme song for what's, I think, written, intended to be a catchy, somewhat wholesome show. I, I think it's it's sure. supposed to be about, you know, a, a, a more modern family dynamic. Anyway, so that's that's the theme song. So I, I think it's time to jump into it. Colin, are you ready to uh, have your close-up? Absolutely. Oh boy. So it's time for close-ups, of course, the part of our, our podcast where we go in a little bit deeper and just talk about some general thoughts uh, on the show, observations, th- things of that nature. I, I should probably preface this by saying, you know, we take notes for, for every show. I, I took two full pages of notes for this, for this show. Uh, and and as, as I'm looking back at them, they, they really do review, well, they go through from top to bottom, kind of a, a, a non-understanding of the show, some general thoughts to some really specific types of things. So chronologically, they make sense, I think, on the whole. So, for instance, my first note just simply says, I think they're sisters. Um, I did not. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of a weird the, conversation when we first started. The premise confused me from the get go. I, I, I thought there were many more Gilmore Girls than no, just the, the just two, two or, the, or the three. The image of the show, like when you look at a picture, the key art. If you will, I'd never seen an image of the show. I I think from what I understood, like I was aware of the show. For some reason, I thought there were like seven of them that lived in a house. That to me would have been more interesting, I think. Yeah, I also think that would have been much more obnoxious on on a bunch of different levels. It also would have been a little bit more fitting for a WB show of... Two thousand. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, the, the music struck me when we first started. I, I wrote down Tal Bachman in the house, exclamation point. I, I feel like that was uh, a pretty good encapsulation. And then, one, you know, another kind of upfront comment I, I wrote was there's going to be a lot more nail painting in this show than I'm comfortable watching, which, of course, I, I remember as soon as I said that kind of as an aside, there was actual nail painting that started to occur in, the, I, I think, the season uh, series premiere. That's so funny because I was just going to say, I don't think there actually was much nail painting. Oh, there was everywhere. The other thing I'll add, just, just you know, Cliff doesn't really get a sense of this because he only got to see the season finales. It's weird when you only watch the season finales because you really don't get a sense of just how much food they're eating. That's the thing. If you're familiar with the show, if you, if you watch the show or if you have heard about it, one of the things that kind of constantly comes up is they're constantly drinking coffee and eating way more food than people that skinny should be able to eat. No mm-hmm. judgment on should or not should, but... Right. So, you know, I... I, I... I, I didn't notice that much at the show. I, you know, they, they do seem to be in kitchens or restaurants for the most part, so that, that makes sense, but not something that stood out to me. I, I'd like to throw out a positive comment if I can. And oh, please do, I, I, I did, we're going to need it later. Not everything is, is, is wrong. And, and I have to point out, Colin, your 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 attitude changed on this show as we went through and rewatched oh, it. Okay. I, as I recall, when we first started to rewatch it, you were firmly in the I like Gilmore Girls camp. Oh, no. I, I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And then the I, b- I believe my attitude was along the lines of it's kind of fun to watch despite the fact that it can be problematic no, at times. Well, you're gonna, you're, and that definitely changed. You're going to wear a hole in the floor with the backpedaling that you're yeah, doing right no, now. So. I, I, I'm saying, I'm telling you, I agree <laughs> that my attitude definitely changed. Because like I said, the first time I watched it all the way through before we did this podcast, was it, the attitude was definitely like, okay, there's some charm to it. It's a little bit fun. Certainly there are some problems, whatever. But but rewatching just the finales, I'm not going to say it made me angry, but it certainly highlighted all of the problems and none of the charm for sure. me. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. Like, And, and I'll say it's not, not a bad show. It's, it's very specific for the time, which I'll I'll allude to. But the the positive comment I I wanted to start out is I I, I like that Lorelai is the smartest person in Stars Hollow. Like, they kind (laughs) of write the show so that she, for whatever reason, is mentally superior to to everyone else. A lot of it's the dialogue, but I, I like that they... They, they took a stance with their, their lead character in a show that doesn't have a lot of kind of traditional doofus type characters in the show. I think they, it's one of the flaws of the show to me also is that they t- 
take their dialogue way too seriously. I described more than once that it's it's like watching talk fighting <laughs> from <laughs> oh. for an hour, like yep. people just trying to, to shout each other down with a snarky ear, like it was just craziness. Um, but I, I did like that Lorelai was was as the lead character for the most part, at least sure. maybe one half of the two the two leads was the was clearly this kind of the smartest, most intelligent, uh, you know, if if not you know nastiest <laughs> sort of tattoos, <laughs> it, you know, people in the uh, in the show. I, I like that about the show. Yeah, and I'll piggyback off of that. One of the things that I think is really admirable about the show is that you really want to root for Lorelai. You know, she got pregnant really young, and she didn't want to. Sure play into her parents' expectations, her very rich parents' expectations about what she should be doing. So she said, you know what? I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to make a much better life for my daughter than if I didn't work hard. I don't know. She didn't want, she didn't want to get married and, you know, what all that sure. stuff. And and I think that's really admirable. She, she raised her daughter on her own. She made an incredible life for her in the small town and, and she's a successful business owner. <laughs> and, you know. So here's where I'm going to stop. I, look, I'm trying to be as positive <laughs> without getting snarky about so it because it's true. It's admirable. This is a very positive thing. And, you know. Sure. Well, when you look, when your parents are billionaires, you can do admirable things like that. Right. So. Right. I, I think that 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 probably not to segue into all the negative comments, but I think that that's what's sort of so frustrating about so many of the choices that Rory makes is that her mother went out of her way to prove that you can work hard and take care of yourself. And then Rory says, yeah, but I'm just going to kind of get some tuition from my grandparents and sure. not work for anything ever. Right. It, it, there's there's a lot of questionable choices. So I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as to offer a second positive comment here. <laughs> oh, we are uh, just raining It's a big role reversal that's happening here. <laughs> uh, here on the showdown today. So uh, I, I, I wrote down a little, this is a little ways in the show, I like Grammy Gilmore. I like her. Oh, I'm, yeah. I think she's my Emily favorite Gilmore? character in the show. Yeah. She's, yeah. I, she's uh, you, you know, kind of stereotypical, kind of Thurston Howell, moldy, rich, rich white lady. Yeah. But she spends the majority of her show just trying to figure out a way to see her daughter and granddaughter and having to, like, bribe them with money and paying for college and cars and all these other things. And she has intentions that she's not very nice to her staff that work at her house sometimes. <laughs> and that's that's not great. But, you know. I, not she, very nice. Her, her motivation for the show seems to singularly be, I want to bring my family closer together, to which she gets Heismaned by, by Lorelai and Rory at, at seemingly every turn. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a really good point. I think she's a very recognizable character in that her motivations are almost always good. They're almost always, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be proper on a certain level, and I want to spend time with my family. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, there are, you could argue with the first point whether proper is worth being, you know, whatever. But she falls into this sort of rich old white lady trap sometimes where it's like, okay, I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit. But it's it's frustrating to watch Lorelai not want to just be a part of her mother's life. You know, the the Mm -hmm. sort of biggest example of this is the multiple times she gets engaged and just doesn't tell her mom. Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine just, you know what? My mom wouldn't care about that. Like what kind of selfish. Right. So, you know, I I think there's some, some dynamics there that probably, probably need, need explaining. So, so Colin, what what else did you have? uh, Oh, I have a ton of stuff. All right. My favorite comment, the one that I was reading last night and laughing at, and you said, are you laughing at your own comments and I said I remember oh yeah I am Uh, no one underlined no one in this show knows when to shut up. That's they just true. keep going. We, you know, we joke about the the show needs editing, the writing needs editing. There's just too much, too much. And then sometimes people say things, and you're like, just stop talking. Yeah, I, I think it, it, there's a little bit of the the writers of the show, uh, for for volume's sake, are heroes. Uh, but they, <laughs> yeah, they were not paid per per word. But they did not sure. hire any editors that came no. in to kind of have them cut down lines. And I feel like. A lot of the direction of the show was, and it, you kind of when you just watch it like this, you know, like we went through this Clockwork Orange viewing cycle <laughs> of watching the show. Harsh. Uh, you you see like it's every actor 
is and there's some good actors in this yeah, show. I, I think would they're agree. being told this. These aren't joy. This is the aesthetic of the show that they're they're waiting for the other person to stop talking. So the minute that it goes silent, they can say their line, and it just goes back and forth and back and forth, and it's like this crazy ping pong match of of dialogue. And, and to you know, like you said, it, then it goes on and yeah. on and on and on. It's, it's really it's it's a it's a it's part of the fabric of the show. And one of the things I wrote down that it kind of reminded me uh, of another show that. That has that kind of aesthetic I remember, which is Dawson's Creek. And so one of the oh, notes boy. I wrote is this show is uh, Dawson's Creek got a mortgage. Um, it's, it's kind of like, nice. well, it's like, well, it, it, it kind of uh, it kind of fits in that vein. Like, I, I feel like that. And there's some other shows that do it, obviously. But yeah, shows that classic kind of, WB shows. Shows that right above what would be the realistic conversation level of the characters saying the lines. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. The acting style is less classic I forget you know I'm no expert on acting theory it's not Shakespearean no it's not Shakespearean Mm -hmm. I don't think it's method Mm -hmm. it's the you know the sort of famous acting is reacting it's less that and more like a race to the end of the scene like let's just say our lines as quickly as possible and jump over each other and not actually pay attention to what the other person is saying right like we have to get in every line because every line is gold and it almost works against the show because at some point there's just too much coming at you and whatever might have been clever about there's I mean there's there's some clever lines in the mm-hmm. show it's very quotable there's a lot of stuff that's in there it's just it's oversaturation I, I think yeah. at some point and for somebody like me a, a 38 year old man watching Gilmore Girls it's you know it's it's a little a little tricky to, to wade through as opposed to somebody who's watching it perhaps at age 14 or 15 um, when they, this is how they aspire to behave for the rest of their life yeah I think that's a really good point you know the first time that I watched this I well I guess it was after we met because I remember thinking oh, I'm about the same age as Lorelai in mm-hmm. this. And, and it's weird to kind of think about we're the same age. This character and I should be going through the same, you know, life milestones or, or attitudes or whatever. And it, and it was just strange because she comes across so much younger because, again, she's really self-centered. She's she's very uh, narrow-minded in, in being... She, she's bratty so much of the time. Bratty yeah. is probably the best word for it. And sure, it's just yeah. like, oh, come on, grow up. I you think know? so. It's, 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 it, it, it lives in a couple of different worlds at the same time, for sure, between the ages of the characters the situations that they're put in and then their behavior yeah. when those situations come around, yeah. which kind of leads to maybe a, a different point, which is this show is classified, which I didn't know when we started watching. Like, when, like honestly, when we first, minute one, watching the show, I think my assumption was that it was a drama. It was like just a, you know... It well, was, it's an hour long. So. Right. So it's, I've since understood that it's, it's, a, it's a dramedy because there's some, uh, there's, I guess there's some comedy in there somewhere at some point. It's, it, somebody will point that out yeah. uh, at some point where that might have been. perhaps I missed it, but uh, one of the notes I wrote down is 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 this a is this a comedy question mark confused period? I, there's you know there's there's some stuff in there that's meant to be entertaining, but there's serious. I don't know. It was it was a weird experience for me watching this show through the first time. But I'll tell you what wasn't weird. Colin was was uh, my feelings about Dean in oh, the show. That, as that we was spoke, weird. Spoke about earlier. I I you know one of the first notes I wrote is Dean seems like a nice guy. Okay, and then Team Dean. he does. That's um, that's kind of that's kind of his whole character, the whole series, and that's why it's so jarring when he you know gets married and has a torrid affair. Mm-hmm. That like by definition he, he is nice and safe for Rory. You mean when he shows up and Rory takes advantage of him? Oh boy! Is that here what you're we go. To? Yeah. Here it goes. Yeah, it, it, maybe it's time to kind of break break this one out. Uh, in my in my honest feelings, I don't know that you would disagree or not, but there there are two villains in this show, and their names are Lorelai and. Yeah. Oh, I would agree with that completely. They're bad people. At every turn, they are taking advantage of and and running away from and mistreating everybody else in this town that for one reason or another seems to just be drawn like magnets into their into their like it's almost like the they the town just exists to center around these two these two ladies that just do nothing but run roughshod over the feelings of the people that have made them who they are. Yeah, it's one of the things about the show. There's something that I wrote down. Rory is not as good as everyone in Stars Hollow thinks she is. And it's it's fascinating to watch because it's sort of like the premise of the show that you have to buy into before you can agree to watch any episodes is that Lorelai is wonderful and clever and adorable, and Rory is the perfect angel sent from heaven 
to exemplify what everyone's daughter should be. Well, yeah, you can tell because she talks like a baby all the time, even <laughs> even, even through the age of, of 22 when she's graduated from Yale, she still shows up and continues somehow to talk like a tiny, tiny baby, which is which is something that made watching this show a little more difficult for me than, I, than perhaps it should have been. I think you're using the word talking when you should be using the word whining. No, I'm, I'm talking about her specific speech pattern of talking like a baby. Everything that comes out of her mouth is <laughs> it's crazy like the, the it's just non-stop nonsense that that is it's it's inaudible at some turns and and i'm angrier about this than i should be but it's just it's just infuriating <laughs> yeah, you're really mad it's to watch seven seasons and at some point you're like she's an adult doing very adult things in very adult situations and she's going to college and got all the stuff and she's supposed to be hired by a major you know news outlet and following a presidential campaign around on a bus out of college but she talks like a tiny little swaddled baby i think she does a lot of this stuff that you expect to take a lot of hard work and she sort of just floats through it and it's one of those weird things i don't understand how she graduated from yale part partly because she must have spent a lot of time at uh the glorious and prestigious chilton yeah i, I believe that she's a good student so so the school stuff i i, I can get on board with i i, I did make a note about chilton uh <laughs> says how it, much fun it looks like it is I said it, it, I said it has a real cruel intentions vibe oh for sure um that's that's kind of what it appeared to me i, I felt like there were probably a lot of people walking around with cross necklaces that unscrewed to, to actually be cocaine vials and certain sure. different some different things like that. Yeah, and on that note, I'll add that Paris has the unique ability to be so annoying that she makes Lorelai and Rory look tempered and relatable, which is, <laughs> which is extreme. Yeah, I had a hard time watching Paris the first time I watched the show. I don't, I don't think you got the full Paris experience by only watching the finales, but she is, she is tough to watch and they just didn't get rid of her she went to Yale too and then she's best friends with her it's kind of sad they kind of hate each other and yet they're best friends yeah I feel like that was their wasn't that their last comment upon graduation is they just exchanged some version of I hate you to each other yeah, and basically. then hug it out and <laughs> yeah but they like stayed friends forever fade black. Yeah, it's just rough. <laughs> so I, I want to shift gears and I, I want to talk about something that we've 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 I feel like we've been avoiding that needs to be called out and and that that topic is Luke it specifically Luke's Luke's dress the way that he wears clothes and makes choices for himself well he, um, he made one choice back in 1995 and he's just been riding it out yeah I feel like he he, he like he he went to a frat party one time uh, in his freshman year of college and wore a very specific outfit and deemed it lucky because perhaps something great was, it was the greatest night of his life and decided to never change out of that and then one of the clues I wrote which you know perhaps this is sexist perhaps it's not but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway oh boy. Uh, which is Luke's ball cap has no logo uh, dot 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 this show is for ladies okay. um, I, I feel like I feel like that choice wouldn't be tolerable and would absolutely be noticed and called out on a show that wasn't Gilmore Girls like I, I get the idea of wardrobe not being able to put logos because of copyright laws that sort of stuff but a really blatant choice for something that's in multiple scenes in every episode is this is this grown man wearing a backwards base like he looks ridiculous to begin with but he's wearing this backwards baseball cap and and the thing that, that made me the craziest about this show was the fact that the ball cap that he chooses to wear has no, has no logo. It's not yeah. for a, a team. It's not for an event, a concert he went to, his or favorite his band. Or his own diner. Anything. It's just a blue baseball cap that's turned around backwards. It, it feels like the laziest wardrobe choice I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And, and by the end of the show, I was furious okay. that this <laughs> that this hat persisted. What I can't tell you how upset I was when... When, the, when we turned on the Netflix reboot that was like, like you know, seven to ten years later. Ten years, Ten yeah. years later. And he's still got this 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 ball cap on his head. <laughs> he looks like he's 70 years old in the shot and he's got a backwards, no logo ball cap that he's wearing around like it's nothing. And, yeah. and something, somebody has to do something. Yeah, I mean, he... 
he's supposed to be the heartthrob of the show. That's what's kind of crazy. He's supposed to be like sort of like a gruff boy next door, blue collar kind of hot guy that Lorelai always, you know, had deep feelings. For. I, don't, I don't know how to describe it, but he he I don't know. Maybe women out there like that. I don't know. He he seemed like a weird choice. And just to be clear, you know, to that point, I think Christopher is equally as bad at being a heartthrob. Christopher, of course, Rory's father, mm-hmm. Lorelai's other sort of heartthrob in the show. Sure. Where, you know, they sort of are two sides of the same coin, where one of them's the kind of gruff blue-collar one, and one of them's the friendly, smooth-talking business, rich business guy and mm-hmm. Lorelai, you know, can't decide between the two of them, which is yeah. supposed to be charming and adorable, but is actually pretty infuriating because they're human beings for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I've calmed down a little bit. Okay, good. Uh, I apologize good. for, for, for <laughs> losing my temper a, there. I was a hole in the wall really punched. angry at that, that baseball hat. So, you know, I, so I, I will say, you know, at least one of the more redeeming characters is, is Luke, but, but kind of moving on to your point like there's a litany of men that are from what I can tell like there's some good ones and some bad ones but there's a lot of a lot of guys that are just kind of circulating the orbit of the Gilmore girls yeah. that are being pretty severely mistreated for, for yeah. seemingly reasons that don't make a lot of sense. It was kind of a weird, they don't give a lot of motivation other than just kind of a whim yeah. as to, as to how, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, how they're making these decisions about, uh, I, I, there's one, I can't remember his, his, his name, but there's one, uh, Rory's college boyfriend oh, that comes Paul? home. Paul in the, in the Netflix Reboot, yeah, yeah, that that's horrible. The the, the character. So I've seen all. Well, four not, of those. not the Netflix reboot. This oh, is okay. a, this is from Yale. <clears throat> this oh. is in the original run. Logan, the blonde one, the rich one. No, the one that comes. There's like a whole series about um, uh, him coming home and nobody remembers his name, but he remembers all the things about. Yeah, that's Paul. And, yeah, that's Paul from Paul. the Netflix part. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna hundred percent sure. We're gonna have to <laughs> again email us at showdownpodcast. <laughs> Colin. I, I look. I am at this point a Gilmore Girls expert, okay. all right, and I, I think oh, I I think I know a little bit about the difference between Paul and Logan, uh-huh. and one of them went to England, uh-huh. and the other one had a fancy antique wrench that he needed to show to Luke. Yeah. yeah. So so that's Logan and Paul, mm-hmm. yeah. respectively. Oh yeah. Paul is only part of the Netflix four episodes and the the kind of I don't know if it's meant to be a joke I found it very offensive she's dating him the whole time and ignoring him and forgetting him and no one remembers him and then at the end he's like due to our conflicting schedules I think we should break up and she's like oh I was so bad to Paul like Girl, you were sleeping with Logan the entire time. You're a horrible person. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Well, you know, she's she's uh, not not the best. She's certainly no saint. But you know, I feel like you're being awful hard on the Gilmore Girls. No, nope, I don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. So, so what, what else do you? What else do you? Well, have? I think I think uh, one thing that I want to make sure that we hit on is the plethora of quirky characters that inhabit Star Wars. Oh, yes, Hollow. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, my sort of overall note was that the quirky characters are not nearly as charming as Amy Sherman Palladino seems to think they are. Mm-hmm. So this may be the first time we're mentioning Amy Sherman Palladino, the writer showrunner. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the in the intro, when I talked about how people love this show, they, they sort of become I, I know people who have sort of become obsessed with this woman and everything she's done since then, you know, Bunheads, for example. Oh, or, yeah. oh who could forget? Bunheads. Right. <laughs> or the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they all have kind of the same tone and I dislike them all equally. Yeah. I think for the same reasons I dislike Gilmore Girls. But anyway, the the quirky characters in Stars Hollow, you know, you've got Kirk, who's kind of the I don't even know how to describe he's just kind of a weirdo who does everything and he's and Taylor, the not mayor who runs all the meetings and mm-hmm. who's a stickler for rules, and Miss Patty, who's the dance teacher. Teacher who's mm-hmm. like weirdly sexual and wears flowing outfits. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, who, who else did you, were there other favorites that you had as far as the quirky characters? Well, go? favorites, I, I, I think is probably the, the wrong term. I, 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 I did notice 
uh, uh, you know, the presence almost immediately of the town troubadour. Oh God! Uh, and okay. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, for a moment, I'm like, oh, this is a gag for the, the 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 series premiere. Like this is a thing, and it's like a weird. It's like just kind of a an off kilter joke. And then it, uh, he, then he showed up again, yeah. um, and again, and then again, and then he wouldn't <laughs> stop showing up to the yeah. point to where you know I, I I made it angry. I can tell by my handwriting how angry I was when I wrote it. Is that this town troubadour needs to be shut down? Yeah. You know that was one of those things that felt particularly indulgent about the show. Yeah. Right. It was it was a, a vehicle for writers and creators to insert whatever indie rock song they were obsessed with at the time or something historically put in the show. Like it was an unnecessary soundtrack and kind of felt like a, a time waster. Like I get that there's 22 episodes that you have to write of a one hour drama because you have a contract, you got to fill up time. But boy, that was. Uh, that was a tough one to get through. Every time that troubadour showed up on screen, I found myself trying to figure out if, if I could fill up the bathtub fast okay. enough. To- <laughs> <laughs> it's got dark. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say I think there are lots of ways they could fill up time. Number one would be pacing of conversations. Number sure. two would be talk slower. Mm-hmm. There are just there are a lot of options that a troubadour probably should be at the bottom of that list. I wrote down Kirk needs to die, which seems really harsh, especially because it's the very first thing on my Oh my God, that is... That He's not that bad. A, for somebody that loves the Gilmore Girls I as much not. as you okay. do, right. that's really right. uh, surprising. It I'm, I'm surprised that you wrote that. Right. Kirk is, he definitely had a, a, a log lady vibe to him for sure. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, 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 there were a lot of ancillary characters that, that were difficult. It's an honorable mention. I'm sure she'll come up again in case she doesn't suck. played by Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Gets a, a, not enough lines, I think. And in retrospect, that's easy to say because Melissa McCarthy is a, a, a pretty good comedic actress has been a lot of uh, a lot of good movies and, and uh, joy for the most part except for a few a few misses perhaps wow, uh, okay. does, does get, get does good work and, and I think on this show you can kind of see that see that in her the the best friend what's the, the Lane name? Lane yep. uh, is you know has some some storylines and gets shut down pretty pretty hard at the end yeah, of the show yeah she has kind of a rough story yeah. you know Rory is not a very good friend to her I don't think she kind of it's, it's kind of one of those situations where oh let's get together and catch up and then Rory talks the whole time and she's like oh and what about you and Lane says like two sentences and the scene is over it's like that's kind of crappy yeah it, it was it was um it was a weird storyline for sure I, you know I so good so we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here I, I think a couple of things that are I, maybe I, I, I wanted to mention I did to your to your point just now I, I wrote down this show could have been 30 minutes uh and really it <laughs> might, have, might have made this show stronger I could have done without usually half of the show I you know I, I wrote down at some point that these cold opens are a real struggle. The cold opens were just... Yeah, were 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 you know it yeah. felt unnecessary. Like just yeah. start the show and get into it. Like it was a weird vehicle for you know a, a lot of build up to deliver a joke that usually wasn't uh, wasn't worth the trouble. I, you know, I, <laughs> I a lot of notes about the a year in the life Netflix uh, run. You know, I, I wrote still talk fighting. Uh, at one point, the show that, something that I, I wanted to point out that you know, the the Netflix uh, series came out in uh, 2017, I believe last year yeah. is when it uh, when it was released. And at one point, Rory is uh, trying to talk on a phone to somebody. She's walking around looking for a signal. And it turns out the phone that she's looking for a signal with is a flip phone. Uh, so I, so, so what, any other any other final comments? Yeah, I, I think we, we haven't really dug into any of Rory's boyfriends other than Dean. Um, I don't think we need to, but I think, I think it's worth mentioning some of the sort of problematic issues with the show. The, um, the sort of obvious one is like, these are all super privileged people with super privileged problems and it's not it's hard to it's hard to relate to some of them you know when when Rory is like oh I'm not sure I want to be a journalist because my rich boyfriend's rich newspaper magnate father says I don't have what it takes that's kind of it's kind of obnoxious so what does she do she drops out of college and lives in her rich grandparents pool house right not just out of college out of Yale Yale University that's paid right. for completely right. by her grandparents right. like it's it, it's it's a scenario where there she literally has zero risk right put in yeah it's it was yeah and it's it's just one of those moments where you just kind of want to shake her and say like 
get a real job and do some real work and maybe you won't be such a whiner all the yeah, time. Yeah, she would answer in some sort of baby talk nonsense. The final comment I had, the thing that kind of dawned on me just as we were finishing up our run and I'm, I'm kind of watching some of these episodes is that this show struck me as a really sad parallel universe version of Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a it's a version of that show that kind of went off the rails. You know, you have the grandparents that are, that are very clearly uh, Lucille and Oscar, you know, I, I wrote down Luke equals Buster. I think that's probably, I think that's right. probably a fair comparison. <laughs> Lorelai and Roy clearly are Michael and, and George Michael. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, I wrote down Sookie is going to be Lindsay in this version because she's bad cook. Uh, okay. both make some version of hot ham water. Uh, <laughs> you really just compared the two so you could make a hot ham water joke. Basically. And then, and then Kirk, Kirk would be, uh, would be Job in this parallel universe right. version. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and it just a much, and I, the show Arrested Development, by the way, which, which we both love very much. This was just a, a poor impersonation, but I, it occurred to me a couple of times when they, you know, you have the two very rich grandparents and then the, the daughter shows up with her teenage offspring. I, and it was, it was, a, it was a very weird. Once I noticed that it, it made it very strange for me to watch the show. Yeah. And I'll even say Kelly Bishop, who plays Emily Gilmore, kind of looks like uh, uh, Jessica Walters, who plays Lucille Bluth. So that's true. Yeah. yeah. They kind of look like, yep. you know, one final thought from my perspective, the sort of infamous last four words of the series. Uh, now, Cliff, you probably don't know that this is infamous, but the Netflix movies premiered and Amy Sherman Palladino had said, oh, I always knew what I wanted the last four words of the series to be. So turns out they are, mom, yeah, I'm pregnant. Here are all the reasons why that's the worst series finale ever. (laughs) It's lazy writing. I hate when any show is like, oh, let's throw a baby in the mix because I don't know what else to do with these characters. Mm. Uh, It's also... A cliffhanger that has no intention of being paid off. Like, we're, we're supposed to, oh, is it Logan's baby? It probably is. Oh, is she going to keep it? Probably. Are they going to get married? Probably not. Like, you're supposed to, it's supposed to be the next step of a story. And it's just a terrible way to end a series because it's, you know, it's supposed to be, oh, well, you know, now she's going to be a grandmother even though she hasn't had, I don't know. It's just, I hate it on so many levels. I, I, I'm very frustrated frustrated that I had to deal with it. <laughs> I kind of wish I didn't know what those last four words were. And I wish that it had ended differently despite everything else. Okay. Well, with that positive <laughs> uh, note, we will go ahead and wrap up close-ups. Now it's time for our most unpopular take. Let's get over dramatic. Cliff, do you want to start us off with your unpopular take on the show? Yeah, so uh, my my overdramatic entry here is 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 pretty specific. I, I think the the, sh- the show in and of itself is kind of overdramatic in, in in terms of the way it was written. And so my my overdramatic take is the snark of this show has overcome me and washed my body out to sea. <laughs> It is the sour thread of poison running through this wilting and listless orchid. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, again, a a poor attempt at at, at trying to simulate just the the bruising and soul-crushing pace uh, and tone of the dialogue in this show. I, I think there's a good show in there somewhere. It is just covered in in talk fighting. Okay. Um, and, and so free and that's you know that's my uh, my overdramatic take is that this show is in fact too overdramatic. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to read mine too just because I don't wanna mess up any of these words, mm. but you can probably guess what my unpopular opinion on this show is. Mm-hmm. The show is annoying. It's obnoxious rich white people with problems. Rory has terrible taste in boys and she needs to get a job. Wow, that's 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 um that's pretty harsh <laughs> yeah. coming from a person that 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 really loves the show. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I again I, I feel like there's I feel like there's some there's some some uncovered, untapped 
feeling somewhere deep down, you know, where there's some love for these characters. I, yeah, I, I'll admit, you know, I when we watched it together, I laughed at part. You can confirm I was laughing at oh, parts. Oh, you were, you were chuckling. No, okay. stop. It was, <laughs> I, could, yeah. I can just kind of do that naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I like it. But part of the problem with the show that I kind of can't get over is that you think, okay, well, you know, it's, it's fun and it's charming at times. But it has this incredible blind spot to the privilege of these characters, despite, again, this this thing we started with, that Lorelai is supposed to be representative of someone who kind of pulled herself up from her bootstraps to make a better life for herself and her daughter on her own. And that's really admirable. And it's like the rest of the show just wants to stomp all over it. And, and it's just kind of, it, it just kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth because I, I want to root for these characters and they make it so hard. Yeah, again, I think a lot of this, you know, is, and I'm sure we'll, we, we'll get some feedback from a lot of uh, a lot of people that, that watched this show when they were younger and they grew up with it. We'll, we'll at some point do a Dawson's Creek episode that may, yeah, we will. may run a similar line. Um, perhaps. <laughs> Not in my heart. Okay. Uh, but I, I think that's that a lot of the show is context. Joey and Pacey forever. Okay, yeah, so we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but, but I think for, for Gilmore Girls, like, you know, that's 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 perhaps the, the most important factor is depending on the age and condition in which you consume this show, probably has everything to do as to how much you appreciate the the, the tone of the show itself. I think there's a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed when I was you know, 13, 14, 16, whatever, that now rewatching, I, I can recognize is probably not very good, but you would never, ever get me to admit that. And so I, I think this is one of those shows where it's, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, candy when it came out and it was, had its place and certainly has cult following and a lot of people really love it. Uh, and it has a lot to do with just kind of identifying with people when they grow up, which, which clearly the two of us uh, did not, not have that same connection. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say, just to forgive some of the characters a little bit, is that they're, there are a lot of things that happen in narrative television that are meant to create drama for the story and that make, you know, the, the characters not very likable. I think I think Sex and the City has a couple of really good examples of this where if you don't have some of the drama, it's not a very good show. And so you kind of have to put aside your disagreement with character choices. And certainly Lorelai is an example of this, because otherwise it's a show where people meet and fall in love and live happily ever after. And that's not very fun to watch. Right. You know, it's it's fun to live. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's with not. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, not very fun to watch. You kind of want to, oh, are they going to get back together? Probably not. Oh, but they do. Oh, my God. You know, all that stuff is, is you kind of have to, you know, suspend your frustration, which I'm clearly not able to do at this point. But maybe I need to get a little better at it. But, you know, I, I, I will forgive some of the characters for those kinds of moments for that reason. Right. So with that we'll go to break. We'll wrap up our overdramatic segment. We'll come back. We'll hand out some awards and do some judging. And we're back on the showdown. Now, let's get gussied up. It's Dundee time. Cliff, do you want to start us off with your awards for the Gilmore Girls? I would. I have some some uh, pretty prestigious awards, I think, to hand oh, out here. Yeah, um, I, hope, I hope they're here to receive them. Let's start out with best. I, I feel like we can inject some some yeah. positive uh, sure. positive vibes into the into the, the Gilmore Girls episode here. So my best award goes to which, which unfortunately, as I'm I'm uh, reading it here, is, is not super positive. Um, oh. <laughs> my, my my award for for best of of Gilmore Girls uh, is presented to Aaron. Sorkin for ghostwriting the show. Sure. I think he would never admit it, but clearly this is right up his alley. And I, I you know, if, if he didn't write this show, whoever did write it was was channeling uh, the ghost of Aaron Sorkin. And I would I would even go a step further to say not like West Wing Aaron Sorkin, but like Newsroom Aaron Sorkin, which yeah. in our our house is a, a, a bit of a step down in terms of uh, in terms yeah. of writing. So um, so that that's my word for best. Colin, okay. who, who did you have? Picked yeah, I uh, I think my best is actually going to go to a best character. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to be real honest. I had a hard time coming up with the award for best. I I looked for a best episode, a best moment, a best 
situation. I don't know. I think my best character, and it's someone that we have not mentioned. I'm sure you can delete the angry email you have written out about how we haven't mentioned him yet. I think my best character is Jess. Now, he is Luke's nephew, and Cliff, unfortunately, did not get to see a lot of him. Jess. Okay. (laughs) Uh, He's really not featured in barely any of the season finales, which is kind of crazy. So, he comes onto the scene, and one of the reasons I like him is because he seems to be Rory's intellectual equal. He reads a lot of really good books, and she kind of noticed that about him, and that's sort of what she likes about him. Mm -hmm. He also calls her on her BS a little bit, which I think is, is, you know, something that Rory needs at times. Mm -hmm. He had a nice little comeback in the year in the life where he met up with her and gave her the old, well, you should be doing what you really love, although he he loses points. It's not going to be reflected in this actual Dundee. He loses points for telling her to write a book about herself, because who would read that? <laughs> Everyone in yeah. Stars Hollow. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, it would sell, it would sell uh, 72 so. copies. Yep. And no more. Yep. So, again, you know, my, my best goes to Jess. I don't think he's a great guy. You know, he basically, their relationship ended it, I think, because she wouldn't sleep with him at a party, which mm-hmm. is not really admirable, all things no. Considered. No, it's, it's, a, no, no it's, it's not the best reason. Yeah, it's a classic teenage boy reason. But he he certainly was an interesting character. And I think one of the things I liked about him was that he wasn't in the vein of like quirky stars, hollow people who just love the Gilmores no matter what. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. I think that's worthy. Yeah, that's, that's a worthy, uh, a worthy best for sure. So so I can go ahead and go to, to, to worse, which sure. again, we've said before, we'll say again, is a, a strange part of an awards uh, program. But again, tradition is tradition. So yep. we're going to hand out this Dundee for uh, for worst of Gilmore Girls. My worst goes, and, and it, frankly, there it was no contest, uh, as you probably could tell by my previous rant. The worst is Luke's wardrobe. I, I wrote wow. down that it's ridiculous and distracting, and it looks like he's always going to a hockey tailgate. Uh, okay. That's that's basically the way that he that he lives, and it's um, maybe he always is. It's, it's Connecticut, you know. I, I I like to think that, but I know he's really just going to open up his diner at four o'clock in the morning for a couple of ladies that have no regard for his well-being so he can make them some eggs and they can sit there and talk to each other as the camera slowly fades out. I get the feeling that the camera was fading out uh, in, in those season finales, not because that was the director's choice, but because they just couldn't take anymore and the camera was actually being repelled from what was happening there at that table between Rory and Jumping Lorelei. off a cliff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm done. That's my worst. That's my word for worst. Colin, what, what did you have? So I, I would say the worst situation was when Rory dropped out of Yale just because it was such an overreaction you know the the sort of classic thing is that oh I don't know what to do with my life so the obvious answer is well stay in school and take a bunch of classes Mm -hmm. in things that interest you and figure out what you want to do that's such a you know dropping out of school especially again you know we talked about this before but oh I'm going to live in my grandparents pool house it's such a she she pulled a real fresh prince of Bel Air yeah it's a real bratty kind of tantrum Mm -hmm. and it was frustrating to see Emily and and um, Richard Gilmore just sort of support her in it. And it, it just was really, it, it was just really odd. And then the whole season after that, that you didn't get a chance to watch, but where she's working at the DAR and all this, it's just so obnoxious. I, it's, that's my worst. It's difficult. Well, that's 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 great. So, um, unfortunately, again, somehow, none of the recipients could be here to accept their <laughs> yeah. awards. So, uh, we will accept them on their behalf when that will we'll ask the orchestra to play us out. All right, Colin, let's get serious. It's time to go before Judge Stone, give our closing arguments, and pass almighty judgment. (laughs) 
So, of course, uh, closing arguments is where we, we stop and, and give our, our final summation of our feelings about the show and, and offer a score for this show. We're each going to score the show from a range of one to five stars and in Star Search fashion, combine those ratings to give the show an ultimate score of, of zero to ten stars and then put that into the grand pantheon of the showdown rating so we can see where it falls. So, Colin, would you like to go first? I will. Yeah, I, w- I would say my sort of closing arguments are that I tend to enjoy watching the show. It's sort of charming and I want to root for the characters and I like following some of the love stories and all of that, which is great. But ultimately, the problems with the show sort of can't outweigh the positive. So I I started with one and a half stars, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty low, but I did give it a half star bump for being a show with a female showrunner, which I think is really important, especially mm-hmm. in 2000. You know, there just weren't a lot uh, back then. There aren't a lot now. And uh, so I, I gave it two stars. That's I think that's a that's a fair score. I, my my closing argument is is pretty similar. I, I put you know, that this is less of a story and more of a series of unedited monologues. Like that's kind of <laughs> what it feels like. It's just a bunch of stuff slapped together so people can talk fight with each other. There's some charm, but clearly I'm not in the demo. I also had a, a bit of a bump. I, I gave it plus a half a star for Sebastian Bach okay. appearing in the show of Skid Row fame, which I was, I was wondering when that would come out. <laughs> which I was really excited to see. So plus a half a star for Sebastian Bach, but unfortunately minus a half a star for Sebastian Bach's acting. Uh-huh. Uh, so it kind of ended up being uh, a wash, ultimately landing me at, at also at, at two stars Excellent. for Gilmore Girls, which I, th- I think is a fair score, recognizing that some people that have a sentimental attachment that grew up with this show probably would give it a bit of a, of a higher score. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but I just want to I just want to make sure that we're being clear and we're being on the same page. So in in the showdown rules or you know the precedent that we're setting, uh, a show can earn half a star for either having a female showrunner or for having Sebastian Bach. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page, that those are on equal footing. Yeah. Did you read the handbook okay. about scoring? Right. Okay. Well, like, we'll we'll review it after the show. Yeah, I think so that's fair. Can... And and you know we we both agreed that uh, star are discretionary and mm-hmm. cannot be questioned. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. And so, uh, by my count, that puts us at a grand total of four stars yep. out of ten for Gilmore Girls. Uh, and, and, you know, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you know, it's not not the greatest score, but not our lowest score here. No, it is uh, not of all time. And so that's that's something to be proud of. So, all right. So with that, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back uh, and play some games, which is going to be really fun. So stay tuned. And we're back. So it's my very favorite part of the show, Colin. It's time to play some bonus rounds. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm excited. So, uh, of course, bonus rounds is is uh, the part of our podcast where we spin our big wheel of really crazy, what most people consider dumb games, but we're going to play them anyway. Uh, we consider them dumb too. <laughs> relative to the topic, which of course today is is Gilmore Girls. So, uh, so, so to play the game, we need to spin the wheel. Yeah, Colin, yep. would you like to go ahead and spin? Yep. Oh boy! Oh boy! It looks like it's landed on the history panel. So I feel smart already. So uh, the history panel is the game where we uh, try to determine which historical figure, factual or from fiction, would this show be their very favorite show? Which historical figure would really, really love the show? And so, Colin, would you like to would you like to go first? I, on this one? I do. Now, uh, are we talking historical figure in general, or does it have to be a leader of a country? It could be anyone. Okay. Well, I I, I think. I, I think my best idea is still, you know, we'll, we're just going to go with the first idea I had. Okay. Which, um, usually, usually a good decision. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a leader of a country. So uh, I think not just because he was president at the time, but I think George W. Bush would really like this show. It's not, it's not an insult. I just picture him really w. being into the quirky characters and chuckling along and rooting for Luke. Sure. I don't know. It just I seems... can see him with like a pint of ice cream. In front yes. of, in, in, the, in, in the Oval Office, perhaps, sure, even, yeah, just have Lincoln him 
Dungeon. in the, the old school high school AV TV cart. Yep. Uh, and just just uh, going to town. Yeah, wanting Gilmore to know Girls. what happened on last night's Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I, I just, I can see it. Oh, it's, it's in his wheelhouse. Yeah, it's, yep. it's a fair answer. Yeah. So my answer, uh, which I just far superior, okay. uh, I'll just go ahead and say it, uh, is Marie Antoinette. Um, okay. I, I think Marie Antoinette, had she been aware of television at all, which of course uh, wasn't available during her time, but perhaps it was. Perhaps she was so rich that that's why they, you know, went her castle and grabbed her was because she was up in there watching some Gilmore Girls when they couldn't. But I feel like uh, this show has the same attitude as, as what I might associate with like a very rich French person of royalty that um, just doesn't realize or have any sort of sense of what's going on outside their their castle walls. I can almost hear Lorelai Gilmore right now saying the phrase, let them eat cake, mm-hmm. uh, when, when trying to understand uh, why everybody's so upset about how she worked. For, it pulled herself up by her bootstraps with her pillionaire parents bailing her out every turn. And so uh, I feel like Marie Antoinette is going to be going to be my choice. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm conceding victory. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, making it making it easy for me, so I'll take round one. But hey, Colin, there's two more games to play. Okay, and I you're guess. still going to have a chance. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go ahead and spin the wheel here uh, for the second one, and we'll, we'll see what we land on. Oh boy! So we've landed on brought to you in part by. So the game brought to you in part by it is uh, where we try and determine if this show were to have an overall sponsor. A lot of the old days when shows had, uh, you know, know, brawny paper towers, somebody would sponsor like an entire show and they would do live reads on air, like just a general sponsor of the show. Who would that general sponsor be uh, of of Gilmore Girls? So, Colin, you're you're behind in points here. Would you like to go first on this one? Behind in points? Come on. (laughs) You have one. I have zero. It's not really. Okay. Well, I'm no anyway. mathematician. Okay. Yes, I yes, I would love to go first. I think the clear sponsor of the show is Folgers Coffee mm-hmm. because uh, everyone's drinking it. Both the characters are drinking it mm-hmm. constantly in the show, and all the actors are clearly drinking it all the time because that's the only way you can talk that fast. Yep, I think that's I think that's fair. So my my choice for for Gilmore Girls sponsor is uh, is logoless hats. Okay. Um, <laughs> logoless hats. When you don't want to take a stance on anything in your life and get walked on uh, by pretty much everyone in your life. Logoless hats. Um, you know, I, I, it's I, where else would they possibly advertise? Like, that's the only explanation for its existence in this show is that there's a website out there somewhere that sells nothing but these blue logoless hats that you can wear around backwards uh, and look like a complete crazy person. Yeah. All right. I, so, I think I'm the winner on so that So the one. online poll is actually coming in here on no. my PC, and it, it actually it has you as the winner oh. of this round by three points, which I'm surprised because both that poll doesn't exist and I'm making it up as we go. And so, but nonetheless, uh, winner of round two, I think I think coffee makes a lot of sense. Is the per, per the only way this show can exist, both in terms of the people within the show and the only way to actually get through watching the show as well. All right, so uh, we're going to play one more game. Yeah, do you determine- mind if I spin the wheel? I, I think yeah, I would love for you to spin the wheel, please. All right, here we go. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. It's landed on Game of Clones. So uh, so, I like it. So Game of Clones is kind of a specific game, but it's in reference to if you've ever done any sort of IMDb surfing and you've found yourself looking at, which I don't know why you would in the world, but uh, (laughs) you found yourself looking at um, the translation of shows when shows air overseas. A lot of times they will list the working title of the show as it exists. And and there's some really interesting ways that shows can get translated into a foreign language and back. And so this game is where we take the show in question, Gilmore Girl, and try and guess what it would, what the name of the show would be, were it to be translated into some kind of foreign language and then translated back over. And so, would you like me to go first, Colin? Yeah, but first, I would just like to add that I just want to give us both credit for coming up with these, despite the fact that it's a much more challenging game when there are only two words in the title. Yeah, so, yes, sounds... please go first. But sure. So, so my game, and I, I may be, I, I may be kind of forfeiting my my game here to get 
in one last one last dig, but I'm going to go oh, ahead and throw boy. this out there. So uh, my, <laughs> I think if you were to try and describe or translate this show into a different language and have it come back, you would be forced not to really talk about you know the, the proper name of the show, but kind of the description of the main characters who are the Gilmore Girls, uh, and that description translated to a different language and then back into American English to me is going to uh, come across as basic bees. I think that's <laughs> I think that's the name. Uh, of the show because you know they basic okay <laughs> they basic <laughs> top that uh, I, well you know my answer is gonna seem really dumb because I actually came up with an idea but I'll say it anyway so mm-hmm. I think if you translated Gilmore Girls into a different language and then translated it back without any fancy urban dictionary usage I think it would be called The Little Women of Father Gilmore oh boy that's um, that is just quaint and uh, but creepy somehow. I, yeah, I find just myself, like Stars Hollow, exactly yeah, like Stars Hollow, quaint and creepy little, somehow. <laughs> I find myself a little creeped out by that. So, yeah. uh, is that that's you? And that's your final answer? Yeah, that's Boy, the winning is, answer. This is tough. Not not a great performance, I have to say, by by either what? of us in the in the third <laughs> round. So so we're checking the Insta poll coming in online. It's, wow, it's going back and forth. It's going to come down to the last couple of. Uh, voters here. Yep, and it's it's come across as I, I'm I'm the no, winner by thirty you're, points. You're yeah, the only one people. It's like look, basic piece is a crowd pleaser. It's so not, okay. uh, that's that's uh, the people have spoken, and uh, I think we have to uh, have to go with it. So once again, amazing. I have a I have quite a winning streak going. You here. always win because you're the one who reads the fake. Well, that's polls. not. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but agree to disagree. Yeah, so email us. <laughs> <laughs> so so on on that note, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up and say uh, you know to everybody, thanks for joining us here. We hope you had a good time. Uh, please, please, please visit us at www.showdownpodcast.com to play along. Give us feedback. Tell us what you think. And as always, I'm Cliff. I'm Colin. And this is The Showdown signing off. <laughs> Honey, it's another embarrassing moment for your diary. Oh. <laughs> Happy graduation. <laughs> If I should stay, I would only be in your way. So I'll She's a go. Whitney bird? Oh, I think it's Dolly inspired. But I know I'll think of you each step of the Thank you.